And then last week I told you that uh, we are living in a culture that's saturated with fear. We're afraid of just about everything and anything. And last week I told you a few of the things that people are afraid of that are really kind of unique fears. So I wanted to go ahead and give you a few more as we get going. First, there is nomophobia. Nomophobia, which a lot of us have. It's the fear of being without your phone. Uh, my phone's always in my left pocket, and sometimes when I like reach down, I don't feel it. I'm like, oh, like what am I going to do? Uh, also, there's lachinophobia, which is fear of vegetables. Some of my kids have that. Veggie tails is off limit for those people. Uh, there's poganophobia, which is the fear of beards, which is interesting. Uh, usually, it, sa- it actually says this. This usually stems from an alarming incident with a bearded person. Notice person, not even, anyway, all right. Um, decidophobia, decidophobia, which is the one that you know exactly what it means, fear of making decisions. I, I feel like that has to be made up. Um, Aulophobia is the craziest one. It's the fear of flutes. So, which is just absolutely frightening. Now listen, you may not struggle with the fear of flutes, but I think every one of us deals with fear from one degree to the next. And actually, the Bible, the emotion the Bible addresses the most out of anything else seems to be fear. The Bible says, do not fear, like 366 times. And so it's why we're doing a series during the Advent season called Fear Not. What we're doing in this series is we're taking a look at the classic story of Jesus' birth that many of us know, but we're looking at the different characters and how they were afraid and how the good news of Jesus spoke directly into their fears. So this week, we're moving on to the next characters, and that is the shepherds. The shepherds play a huge role in the Christmas story. And so you'll find that story in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. You can also open your Silver Creek Church app. All the notes are listed in there so you can follow along. But let me go ahead and give you my outline as we start. With the shepherds, we're going to look at the fear, the good news, and the antidote. The fear, the good news, and the antidote. All right. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8 and 9, says this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. That word fear in the Greek is the word phobio. And uh, when it says great fear, they're trying to translate something that's hard to translate in Greek. And that is that what it really says is phobio phobos, which is essentially just saying fear twice. It's like being afraid, afraid. It's fear, fear. It's not just like, ah, I saw a spider. It is debilitating fear. It's not just fear, it's fear times two. It's really bad fear. And that's what the shepherds are experiencing in this scene when the angel comes. Now, the question is, why? Are they experiencing such debilitating fear? Well, of course, it could be like last week we said with Mary, there's a big angel that appeared in the sky, and last time they checked, there's not a lot of times that that happens in their lives. And that had to be frightening, but I want you to see something else in here. It actually says, the reason they were afraid, because it says, the glory of the Lord 
shone around them, and they were afraid. Some of you heard like the, the Snoopy thing where it says they were sore afraid because the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, why would you be afraid and frightened by the glory of the Lord? Here's what I want you to know. The glory of the Lord can be actually one of the most frightening things that you can experience. Because when you come face to face with like the white, hot, perfect glory of the Lord, all of a sudden everything bad you've ever done comes into your mind. And you begin to get fearful because what you're thinking is going to happen is that you can't stand in the presence of a glory, the glory of the Lord. And so what's going to happen is he's coming down most likely to crush you because you can never measure up to his standard. Right? Now, we have to, in understanding why the shepherds were so afraid, we have to understand even more so what the shepherds were like. Shepherds um, back in this day, shepherds now might be different, but back in this day, a shepherd was one of the lowest classes uh, in society. So socioeconomically, they were really low. They were, actually, scholars say they were just above the lepers as far as like where they stood in, their, in society. Actually, some scholars say they weren't even allowed to enter into the temple because they were considered unclean. They were considered unfit. They weren't even allowed to go in. And so you've got these shepherds, and essentially the shepherds are this, like, no-name, low-class people, and the shepherds themselves are going, not many people really even care about us. They won't let us in the church. And all of a sudden, now you've got the glory of God shining on them, and the only one thought is going through their minds at that point. This is the culmination of all the rejection we've experienced in our life. We knew this would be coming someday. Nobody likes us. They won't even let us in the church, so God doesn't want anything to do with us. So if God's going to come down, the only reason he would come down is to finally crush us forever, finally just say, yeah, it's real. Nobody likes you, and, and, and I don't either. So I'm going to abandon you forever. And that's what we see in the story of the shepherds. Now listen, um, the fear, this thing that the struggle, the, the thing that the shepherds struggle with is this fear of abandonment. I think it's a real thing. The only thing they ever knew was, was rejection. Like, they weren't really well-loved in society. They may have had a childhood issues that if they were seeing a counselor, you know, that would be unpacked a little bit. But they always walked around with this low-grade fear, this low-grade fever. Like, at any point, they were going to be rejected. So when the glory of God came... They're like, yeah, this is exactly what we thought. This is the end. We're doomed. What I want you to know is this, that I think a lot of us struggle with the fear of abandonment, the fear of rejection. I think it's a, a reason why a lot of us struggle to trust God, that he could be loving, that he could be somebody who wants a relationship with you because maybe you've had people in your life, whether it's a close family member or somebody you really looked up to, that, that abandoned you, that rejected you. Maybe it stems back to something in your childhood or maybe that, that where you were really left out or rejected. Maybe if you're a student in here today, middle school or high school, like you're even feeling that from people at school, that just that fear of rejection. And if it happens enough, you, you start getting to a place where you just don't trust people anymore. It's hard to trust, especially people that are close to you. 
And, and in your mind, you're just waiting for the next person to reject you. Because after all, that's kind of been the way life has been. And so when it comes to trusting people, it's hard. So therefore, the idea of trusting God that he could possibly love you is almost impossible. And I think a lot of us struggle with that fear of abandonment. If you do, that fear of rejection, I think you can relate with the shepherds. It leads me to my next point, which is the good news. The good news. Verses 10 and 11 say this, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day, it, unto you is born this day the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So the shepherds, just picture this, they're on the ground in the fetal position, right, thinking that, that, that all hope is lost. God's finally going to abandon me forever, just like I thought he was going to do. And all of a sudden, the angel goes, Fear not. You actually don't have to fear. Why? Because I am coming with good news. And this would have been amazing for the shepherds to hear. They would have been confused by this. Because if the glory of the Lord is going to come to them, the only thing they had in their mind is the bad news because that's all they knew in their, in their upbringing. But this was good news. Here's what I want you to know about the birth of Jesus. If there's anything I could say about it, it's good news. Actually, the Bible, people get confused sometimes. The Bible is primarily not a story about how there's a whole bunch of rules that you need to follow in order for God to love you. And God's actually waiting to strike lightning on you and if you don't do them. The Bible is primarily a story about good news that God lavishes on you and me even though we don't deserve it. That's the, that's the gospel. And that's what we see. That's why it was so amazing to the shepherds. Now, it also says this, that I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. All people. And this would have been amazing as well to the shepherds because for their upbringing, they were going, you know what? We thought God was kind of for the sophisticated people. We thought religion was more for the successful people or the, the nuclear families or the people who had it all together or the clean-cut people that seemed the, you know, good enough to go into the temple. And so that was maybe on their minds. But when they heard that God was coming for all people, it was an astounding thing. That for the first time, they might have realized that God wasn't just coming for certain people that he was coming for anyone, the upper class, the lower class, every single person, including them. And it completely floored them. Now, here's what I want you to also see about the shepherds. When, when the glory of the Lord came, the only thing in their mind was that this has to be bad news because in their minds, God was going to abandon them forever because they could never measure up to God's glorious standard that he had set for them. And they knew that. But he, these are guys that are working blue-collar jobs, working all week, you know, getting very little pay, but probably spending it all partying on the weekends, and they just start over again. They knew full well they didn't deserve God's love. And so for God to be coming for them, it was amazing. 
And here's what I want you to see. The shepherds had to understand how bad the bad news was for them in order to understand how amazingly good the good news was. Uh, there is a devotional or an Advent devotional we've kind of commended to you if you've followed some of our communication, and it's called Come Let Us Adore Him by Paul David Tripp. And if you haven't gotten this, it's not too late. You can pick it up. You can also do the reading plan that's on our app. But Paul Tripp says this that I, want, that I thought was really good. He says, It's only when you accept the very, very bad news of Jesus' birth that you will be excited about the very, very good news. Good news is only ever good news to people who know that they need good news. $10 is extremely good news to a poor man, but would not even get noticed by a rich man. The promise of healing is wonderfully good news to a very sick woman and would not even get the attention of a woman who was in good health. Jesus' birth is both the worst and the best news, and understanding both will change your life forever. I want you to know this Christmas, if, if you, you've got to understand both the bad news and the good news. The bad news is this, that because of our sin, we are separated from God, and actually what we deserve and what is just is for God to abandon us forever. But the, sit in that bad news for a moment. Because the good news is this, that what God was doing with Jesus is sending down a rescuer to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves so that if we place our faith in Jesus, we would never have to be abandoned again. That's the good news, but you can't understand the good unless you understand the bad. Leads me to my last point which is the antidote. Verses 15 to 17. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that had happened, which the Lord made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. Uh, if you came to the journey uh, to Bethlehem. One of the things that was really cool at the last scene, they had the shepherds coming to the scene, and the first response from Mary and Joseph was actually like, Go away. Well, why, are, why would you come visit us? You are smelly strangers that we have no idea who you are. We just had a baby. Like, having a baby is a kind of a private moment so you might invite family you might invite some friends in but you certainly wouldn't invite these strangers that have just come into the fields and they were kind of put off by that at first until the shepherds said what they said the shepherds came and they said listen no 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 we don't mean to bother you but listen we heard the news an angel appeared to us that this baby is the savior of the world and I have to imagine that at that point, it was one of the most encouraging things that Mary and Joseph heard the whole day. And, and the, reason, the reason why I say that is because, think about it, Mary and Joseph knew that this was the Son of God. They had been told by the angel as well, but they're human, right? just like you and I. We know about Jesus, we know that it's true, but we fear, we doubt 
And you're talking about a young couple who just had a baby. They're trying to figure out, like, how to care for this baby. They're first-time parents. they got to figure out how to get back to Nazareth whenever that happens. They have, to, they have to figure out how to deal with parents and the people in the village that aren't going to understand because they had the baby out of wedlock. There's so many things. There's so many fears. Not to mention the fact that this is supposed to be the Son of God. Do we, do we hold him? Do we worship him? What do we do? with this baby and there were probably so many unknowns and so many fears but but when they heard the shepherds say no 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 we heard too and we believe it must have been earth shattering for mary and joseph continue on verses 18 to 20 and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them but mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. One of the things I want you to see in this scene is that everybody's worshiping. You notice this? Like the, the, the shepherds come to worship this baby Jesus. As soon as they talk about what the angel did, Mary and Joseph then are pondering this and treasuring this in awe of it. We don't even know who else was there, but it says everyone who heard this was in awe and wonder everyone is worshiping and then the shepherds leave praising and worshiping god and i love this because here's what i want you to see in this passage that we have gone from just about everybody experiencing fear to some degree to everybody worshiping and all of a sudden the fear is completely gone and that's because what i believe is that the antidote to fear the fear that mary experienced the fear that Uh, the shepherd's experience is simply this it's worship i think the antidote to your fear and my fear is worship and here's why because what is worship worship is uh telling god declaring to god who he is and what he's done for you giving him praise for all that he's done for you and when you do that what's happening You are taking your mind off of yourself, your fears, your concerns, and you're putting your mind onto him and all that he is. And when you do that, you take your mind off of your fear and you put your mind on him. It's amazing how that works. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Worship is renewing your mind to prioritize what's important, and all of a sudden your fear begins to dissipate. Now, I, s- I want to say one last thing as we close, and um, it's this that I think the most powerful thing in worship is when you worship together with other people. It makes the biggest difference, and I want you to see what's happening in here. The shepherds start out with this debilitating fear. And then what happens is, and I didn't even get to this part too much, but the multitude of angels are worshiping in the sky. And all of a sudden their fear is gone. To get them to the point where they're even willing to leave the fields and go all the way to see baby Jesus where they continue to worship. And then Mary and Joseph worship. And everybody's worshiping and then they take off and they're praising God as they leave. And and, and I love that. Because what you're seeing is the fear is gone when people begin to put their eyes on Jesus and his plan for you. And it's the same thing for us. 
And so I want you to know, this is why we gather. The reason why we gather to worship, and if you're watching on live stream, it's okay. The reason why it's just okay is because being here makes a huge difference. Because what we do is we come to worship God, but we also come to encourage each other with our worship. Because let's be honest, there are some in here today that are coming in that are super confident. You're flying high. You're like, man, I love God. I am ready to serve him. I'm feeling really confident. And then there's others in here today that are not, right? There, there are some in here that are going, yeah, I'm, I'm singing the words, but I'm not believing in my heart. I've had a heck of a week. Like my, I, I just, I, I don't know. I have some doubt. I have some fear. And here's what I want you to know. If you're on the other end, if you've got some fear and some doubt today and you're singing the words, but you really don't believe them in your heart, here's what I want you to know. Keep singing the words, for one, because the way you feel doesn't change the fact that they're true. But if you are in doubt, one of the things I want you to do is stop for a second and listen. Because there are people around you that are belting out the words because they believe that it's true. And I think that's one of the most powerful things about corporate worship. It's why we're adding a third service. Because we want everyone to experience corporate worship because when you worship around, when you worship Jesus with other believers, all of a sudden you take your eyes off of your fear and you put your eyes on God and it sets you up for a whole week of worship and all of a sudden the fear gets really small. So, of course, as we always do, we're going to close in worship. And if you are struggling this morning, listen to the congregation singing these words because we believe it. We believe it's true. All right, let me pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for being a God who is for all people. Thank you for being a God who loves us so much that you came down to be with us. Lord, I pray today that we would look to you, keep our eyes on you, and that our fears would dissipate and melt away. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.